This podcast is marketing material for a South Africa investment professional only. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Global Markets Perspective podcast for 2024. My name is Yamgelam Tembu, and I'm part of the client group here at Schroeder South Africa. For nearly 15 years, the relationship between gold prices and real returns on government bonds has been intact, i.e. when interest rates rise and real returns on bonds turn positive, the price of gold tends to fall. But this has not been the case in the past 18 months, with gold currently around $2,000 per ounce at the time of recording. Given this backdrop, today we bring you a conversation between my colleagues David Brett and James Luke. James is a senior fund manager in the Emerging Markets Debt and Commodities Desk. James is also the fund manager on our Section 65 approved Global Gold Fund. For nearly 15 years, the relationship between gold and real returns on bonds was strong. They remained happy bedfellows from an investment perspective. Then something went awry and forced a breakup. Is that just a 15-year itch or something worse? So why did the relationship break down? No, I don't think it was a 15-year itch. Um, I think actually those two factors, so Fed policy and then Western uh, investment demand for gold, for gold as a monetary asset, uh, I think are still very, very much connected. And we, you know, we can really see that in the data. So this time round, as in 2013, the Fed has tried to normalise policy, uh, they've started to reduce their balance sheet, i.e. reverse quantitative easing, uh, and they've significantly raised interest rates, which has put the opportunity cost up of holding gold. And, and what have we seen? Well, we've seen physical ounces held in Western ETFs uh, fall significantly, some, some 25 million ounces plus uh, from the peak. Uh, in recent quarters, we've seen European demand uh, for bars and coins uh, fall very, very significantly, particularly in Germany. And we've seen pretty much very, very moribund financial market sentiment for the gold market. So I don't think it's that these these relationships have, have suddenly disappeared. It's just that their impact on the gold price has gone down because another buyer, another source of demand uh, has become so strong as to offset those negative uh, selling pressures in the West. Real interest rates really started to accelerate higher in early 2022. Uh, and it's at that point that the paths of gold prices and real interest rates really start to diverge, with gold prices since early 2022 uh, having fluctuated between, say, you know, below $1,800 an ounce up to above $2,000 an ounce, but really staying relatively high versus what real interest rates have done. It's very, very clear that the pivot point was the first quarter of 2022, and that coincides perfectly with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The biggest delta on the gold demand side uh, has really been central bank demand, and I think that central bank demand has been directly related uh, to the Russia-Ukraine invasion uh, and the Western response to it. So whilst the West hasn't officially confiscated Russian reserves, it has effectively frozen upwards of half a trillion dollars uh, worth of Russian FX reserves. And I think that's had a, uh, one can speculate that that may well have had a a significant impact on gold purchasing patterns among other central banks who who feel that in any future uh, 
conflict with the US, they might be non-aligned with the US. And I, th I think China uh, probably looms large in, in that conversation. Central bank demand for gold had been net positive since 2008. But over 2022 and 2023, it has almost doubled the post-2008 average. And why are they buying gold specifically? I mean, I mean, if we take China as a specific example, I think the first point to make would be they really don't hold very much gold uh, compared to, say, Western central banks as a percentage of reserves uh, or, or, or compared to other emerging market counterparts. So, for example, Russia owns about 20% uh, or has about 20% of its FX reserves uh, in gold. Turkey is a similar number. Whereas Chinese reserves, even with the buying that they've been doing um, over, over recent quarters, have only moved from, say, 3% of reserves to 4%. So the starting point uh, is extremely low. I think also gold is, as we discussed, outside the US dollar system. It can't be confiscated. It's held domestically. Uh, and so it is a hedge very much against any future deterioration uh, in relationships or any kind of catastrophic breakdown. And is demand just limited to central banks? Uh, the biggest change, so the biggest delta, uh, has come from, from central banks. Um, but it's also true that demand for, 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 for gold bars uh, and, 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 and coins has been very, very strong. Uh, in China and also in, in, in places like the Middle East, reaching you know, clear record levels in, in, in the World Gold Council uh, data. I think, again, China looms large. It's a very, very interesting trend there. And, and I think, yeah, again, if you compare 2013 or even earlier periods uh, in terms of Chinese retail demand or, or public investment demand, um, there, there's a stark contrast. And, uh, contrast, and I think a lot of that comes down uh, to structural issues with things like the Chinese property market. The Chinese property market has been this absolute behemoth uh, for the last two decades and has been you know, a significant destination for, for investment capital and, and, and surplus liquidity uh, in, the Chinese liquidity, uh, in the Chinese economy. Um, and now that that channel has, has, from our perspective, been, been, been killed stone dead structurally by changes in the policy stance from Beijing, you know, capital lacks a home to go to. And I think gold has been absolutely a beneficiary of that. So if there's so much of this demand from central banks, why has gold not gone higher than it is? It's yeah, no, I, th I think the, the factors that we've talked about come together quite nicely to explain what, why gold is here. You've had, you've had rampant increases in demand from central, central banks, very strong bar and coin demand in the East. Um, but offsetting that, you've had what you could describe as a, a predictable uh, reaction from, from, from Western holders, holders of gold to monetary policy tightening. So you've had Western selling, uh, Western liquidations, uh, offsetting the, the demand increases that I've mentioned. The way James views the market is that it's only that Western selling of gold that's kept the gold price below those all-time highs. What would happen if those sellers suddenly became buyers? Yeah, I think, I think if you look into 2024, uh, if, if, if you were to imagine uh, a scenario where the U.S. was heading more soundly into, into, into the kind of downturn that pretty much consensus was widely expecting to happen in, in, in 2023, 
uh, and you were to imagine a situation where ETF liquidations had stopped, uh, investment interest in gold would come in back in the US and in Europe, and at the same time that structural central bank bid remained, um, then, yeah, I think if you had that, that coordinated demand impulse coming from both the West and the East, then you could, see, you could see surprisingly strong trends in gold prices that would really, really shock uh, investors. So, you know, our, we think it's very, very conservative to say that when we look into 2024, we expect to see $2,000 an ounce um, become support in the gold market rather than the resistance um, that it's been for the, for the last three years. Arguably, all those scenarios described are on investors' minds already. And if things were to change and Westerners decide they need some safety in potentially turbulent times and they turn their attentions to gold, what does that mean for gold producers? As we described when we were talking about the gold market, what we've really seen is Western bearishness offsetting Eastern bullishness. We've seen ETF selling and bar and coin selling from, from Europe and the US offsetting very strong Chinese central bank demand, very strong Chinese and Middle Eastern bar and coin demand, but still gold prices at, at very, very high levels. In fact, record quarterly average records. Uh, and yet that same negative sentiment that has come from the West in terms of bullion markets is also what's impacting, I think, the, the valuations uh, of, of gold producers. Because while, of course, it's true that, that cost inflation was an issue in 2021 uh, and into early 2022, uh, it's also true that you have very, very healthy uh, business fundamentals and very, very healthy margins, cash, cash flow margins at these gold prices. Uh, it's just that the Western uh, investor, uh, on average, has no faith in the long-term sustainability uh, in, of gold prices or, and therefore the long-term sustainability of those cash flows. I think if our scenario plays out and, and $2,000 per ounce uh, becomes support rather than resistance, then... To be honest, and without without meaning to sound too much like a, a hyperbolic fund manager, I, I think the impact on valuations for gold producers would be absolutely transformational. And I think that's because really they're coming from such a low base that the disconnect that we've seen between gold producer valuations and the underlying bullion price is is dramatic uh, and is at a record. Um, and so, yes, I, th I think the, the, the potential for, for, for those equities to, to play catch-up would be, would be absolutely huge. Thank you for joining us for this month's Global Markets Perspective podcast. Should you have any questions or comments, please reach out to your usual Schroeder's local representative. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up, and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance and may not be repeated. Schroeder's Investment Management Limited is an authorized financial services provider. FSP number 48998, registration number 01893220, incorporated in England and Wales. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation. Any funds, services or products mentioned might not be appropriate for all listeners. Please speak to a financial advisor if you are unsure as to the suitability of any investment. The forecasts included are not guaranteed. They are provided only as at the date of issue and should not be relied upon. Our forecasts are based on our own assumptions which may change. 
We accept no responsibility for any errors of fact or opinion and assume no obligation to provide you with any changes to our assumptions or forecasts. Forecasts and assumptions may be affected by external economic or other factors. Disclosures and risk factors. Collective investment schemes are generally medium to long-term investments. The value of participatory interest or the investments may go down as well as up. Past performance is not necessarily a guide to future performance. Collective investment schemes are traded at ruling prices and can engage in borrowing and script lending. A schedule of fees and charges and maximum commissions is available on request from the manager. The manager does not provide any guarantee either with respect to the capital or the return of a portfolio. The manager has a right to close the portfolio to new investors in order to manage it more efficiently in accordance with its mandate.